Ariana. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Mm-hmm, we sure do. Yep. Hey, Bri. Hey, Sarah. Why are ghosts so bad at lying? I don't know. Why? Because you can see right through them. <laughs> I love our silly jokes. Me too. I have one for you. Okay. What happened to the man who got behind on payments to his exorcist? I don't know, Brie. What happened? He got repossessed. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. Oh, that one's perfect. <laughs> don't get behind on them payments. <laughs> um, and for the record, we don't usually know the jokes we're going to tell each other before we record because we don't bother looking. So it really is us laughing genuinely. <laughs> yes. And you can laugh with us. They're kind of funny. Or at us. Yeah. Either way, at least you're laughing, which we all need right now. <laughs> Shall we get into our booze news? Booze news. Booze news. <laughs> uh, Funko now has a Rob Zombie pop figure. How cute. Yeah. Is it part of the Funkoween ones? <gasps> you know, it didn't say exactly, but I just kind of went and did my own research just to see what was in the Funko Pop horror section. And there's lots of new releases, at least for me, because um, I haven't checked it out in a while, but um, they have The Creep from mm-hmm. The Creep Show. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters, uh, ma- well, mainly the girl characters from The Craft. Um, the Killer Clowns. Of course. I tried to buy those. They are already sold out. Um, well, did you get the Pennywise without makeup? No. What is this? Yes, I know you're going online right yep, now. <laughs> you bet your sweet booty um, I am. There's a 10-inch uh, Audrey 2 by the way, don't look. It's sold out. <laughs> I tried to look for you. <laughs> and then there's um, new Jaws figurines. Also, a strategy game by Funko. I didn't know they made games, but there's quite a few. A strategy game? Yeah. What I mean, does I guess that it's even mean? Get away from Jaws? Oh, I, it's a Jaws strategy yeah. game. Oh, so don't get eaten. I guess. Or, so just I mean, don't go in the water. I guess the game would be over. You just got out of the water, right? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Congratulations, you survived. Um, in other news, uh, WandaVision and The Witcher are to resume filming. Oh, how exciting. I've been waiting for WandaVision for like the longest. Uh, since I heard it was even going to be a thing, right. which was so long ago. I know, and I'm just glad that some things are, you know, starting to get back up and running i know with covid kind of pending everything um it's good to hear that some things are you know being able to get started um and i saw the first season of the witcher on netflix i don't know if you did no so here's my thing with netflix um (laughs) although i did start watching unsolved mysteries since that's out now oh yeah i did watch the first one today and it's good. It's only, I think, six or seven episodes, but this one was a true crime one. Okay. Um, and I mean, I love a good uh, conspiracy theory with Freemasons, so I wasn't disappointed. Okay. Um, but my my issue with, well, it's not an issue, but my kind of philosophy with Netflix is I watch it while I'm on the treadmill. I can't listen to music while I'm on the treadmill because... I just think too much about how long the songs are and how long I've been running and how tired I am. 
So I have to watch something to to distract me. So like I binged um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season one through three while I was on the treadmill. Yeah, like Grace and Frankie whole series on the treadmill. Although I'm behind now because we're in quarantine and gyms are closed. So now I've just been running the hills in my neighborhood, which obviously if I am watching something on my phone, I will get hit by a car and die right? uh, or fall down the hill. So instead, I'm saving all of those for when the gym reopens. Okay. So the Witcher's in my queue. Okay. And I'll watch it on the treadmill. I, I like it. You know, I, I hear a lot of really good things. So I know that I definitely need to check it out. Yeah, it's definitely something to leave in your queue for sure. I will for sure for check it out. For sure. You're looking for that Pennywise, aren't you? I am totally looking for that Pennywise. Uh, but while I'm distracted, uh, season two of The Alienist is coming to TNT on July 19th. Ooh. I wasn't disappointed in season one. I wasn't either. And we read the books. We so did as part of a book club. It was. Maybe we'll have to talk about that. We will. Maybe on our next one. Next we, round. We definitely will. And... Uh, another bit of news that actually I did not plug in here, but something that I forgot to plug into our Google Doc. Um, Universal Orlando is now taking reservations for Halloween Horror Nights. What? But I apologize to any of our listeners that we may have in Florida. It's Florida. And if you know anything about Florida they with pandemic have been making a whole hell of a lot of questionable decisions mm-hmm. um so I don't know that that means that there's any hope for Halloween Horror Nights Hollywood come on guys be smart stay inside just wear your damn mask wear some gloves it's not that hard no and even better order a, a fun mask from our friend of the podcast bill rude over at seven hells yeah they're super cool they're super cute and there's all kinds of fun ones i ordered uh the vampire one originally Ooh. and then i ordered the jack-o'-lantern because i'm sure that any halloween activities are gonna require masks so oh figured, yeah i'm sure yes figured i would get that one and then the one that i actually worked my chiropractor today and totally forgot him out i wore the one with all the monsters on it the monster dreams one um (laughs) that's amazing yeah and my chiropractor is wearing like a full respirator right now because he is a type 1 diabetic like has the insulin pump and everything oh boy um and he's got three small babies at home so he's one super high risk two he's got small children but yeah uh i heard him through the respirator go because he was freaked out so he was like bane sorry <laughs> oh but you're so right he's like a, a really tall skinny bane because <laughs> tom hardy's not that tall i'm taller than tom hardy that's okay more for me <laughs> you've earned it oh uh, sorry about that <laughs> never apologize but yeah please buy our friends masks because they are really cool and very much in the Halloween spirit. And also, you're going to potentially prevent people that are immunocompromised or yes. elderly from getting sick and dying. Yes. Can we stop the spread, please? Save Halloween. Masks are not a political statement. They're not. Just be a decent person. They're keeping you from getting sick. And other people. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> um, new series on Netflix, The Warrior Nun. 
Ooh. Yeah, actually, I watched the trailer for this because I was curious. And um, basically, a young woman dies and wakes up with a divine artifact in her back and gets caught in a war between the forces of heaven and hell. And they're actually dressed like nuns. I I can get behind this. Yeah, I'm kind of here for this. And by watching the trailer, it actually looks pretty cool. Like, the nuns are pretty badass. Ooh. Like, yeah, it's really cool. Okay, I'm going to check it out. And we've also learned that Will Dunn has been tapped by Warner Brothers to adapt Ray Bradbury's 1972 fantasy novel, The Halloween Tree. Uh, The Halloween Tree follows Tom and his schoolmates who begin to investigate the strange happenings in their small town on Halloween night. Uh, Their friend Pip is abducted by a powerful demon from the land of the dead uh, with the help of an unlikely ally, a mysterious mysterious figure named mound shroud tom and his name that it really is uh tom and his pals must journey into the land of the dead to save their friend i don't know if i want to go down there no but i'm definitely going to go see this when it comes out i'm really excited for this sounds really good yeah um i don't know when or where this will debut but uh warner brothers is currently working on they've secured the rights to adapt it into a film and or series to be released on some media at a later date to be determined yay well you know hopefully soon there's going to be some hope uh, for movie theaters oh i hope so this was supposed to be such a good year for horror movies i'm so sad well fandango is launching a COVID 19 movie theater safety program you know um they announced well when i found this out this was like last week but um fandango announced last tuesday that it will launch a new program on its website and ticketing app that will allow users to check their local theaters for COVID 19 safety protocols when they reopen Mm. yeah users will be able to find information that theaters have provided about auditorium occupancy sorry excuse me (laughs) and social distance seating mask and protective equipment uh, policies enhanced cleaning measures, special concession services, and more. Um, Over 100 theater chains have partnered with Fandango to share information about when their theaters reopen and what they are doing to keep customers safe. So I'm I'm assuming that things are going to be kind of roped off six feet apart and such. Yeah, well, there was actually a picture with this announcement, Mm -hmm. and you can see, like, basically them reconstructing the auditor the, the auditoriums and basically removing seats so that they're six feet apart holy shnikes yeah so i don't know if all theaters are doing that um but it looks like they'll have some together for like families but still six feet apart from others so i mean seating will be a little scattered especially if you're you know trying to go with your friends or your loved ones um but Again, you know, this is for our safety, but also so that we can still enjoy going to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. And all, also, if you guys just wear your damn masks, then I mean, this yeah, will go away a lot faster. There, there's also that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep going back to the masks. I'm just so annoyed. I mean, but I just don't understand why you don't want to wear one. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's hot. And it gets sweaty in there sometimes, especially with the summer coming. I know it's going to be terrible, but it's protecting you. It's keeping you from getting sick. And I know 
for one, I don't want to. And get also sick. complain about the hot and sweaty and hard to breathe nature of your mask to the triage nurse in the ER that's been wearing hers for her twelve hour shift. I'm sure she would yeah, love exactly. to hear you complain about how your rights are being violated. So that's why I just keep my mouth shut. Keep my mouth my mask on. <laughs> <laughs> keep your mouth shut and your mask over it. Yep. Um. So yes, wear your masks, <laughs> please. <Halloween>. <laughs> <laughs> And this week, we decided to compare and contrast a classic horror movie with its remake, House on Haunted Hill. Yay! <laughs> I love both these movies. I, I do, too. I like them for different reasons, even though um, the remake was not really well received or very positively rated. Um, I thought it was fun. Yes. It, it, and I knew going into it, and I think that that's the, that's the issue with a lot of these remakes, especially of classic mm-hmm. films. Um, people tend to assume that they're going to get exactly what they got 50 and 60 years prior. And that's the, you can't have that mindset. You have to go in knowing it's probably not going to be a cinematic masterpiece. Um, it's definitely going to differ for a variety of reasons. You know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, technology alone between right. 1959 when the original came out and the 1999 uh when the remake debuted so much in film had changed in that 50 year span so you know you you can't compare the two you really need to yeah. understand that you're getting two different things right and you know and it's just such a classic the first one especially cuz you know it has our our favorite Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really compete. <laughs> no. Mean, just for me, at least. No. When you have somebody like him in the movie, you're like, oh, well, the other one can't really compare. <laughs> also, I just realized that I totally can't math. And I said 50 years, 40 years. It's 40 years apart. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I also can't math. It's been a long week and it's only Thursday. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> but interesting enough, on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the original received a 88% fresh rating. I believe it. Yeah, so 7.1 out of 10. I believe it. Yeah. And the other one didn't really do so well. No, but, what did the what did the remake get? The 40-year-later um, version. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a, not like a lot less than that. Um, I looked it up, and I thought that I had put that information in but maybe i didn't because <laughs> i was looking up all the other cool stuff <laughs> i'm looking up all the other fun facts uh i think oh it only had 30 percent. yeah okay so a lot less quite a bit less <laughs> oh boy yeah the tomato re the t- okay sarah get it together tomato meter had it at 30%. The audience Yeesh. score is listed at 42%. And it's Seriously? Yeah, and it's got the sad little popcorn bucket that spilled um oh, on the boy. side and you know for anybody that's ever dropped a bucket of popcorn, which I've done before, it's like the the worst thing ever to happen in your life for the oh, day. Oh gosh. But yeah. Well, I mean, I liked it a little bit more than that. <laughs> I liked it a lot more than that. I, you know, I don't I mean for me it was hokey. It wasn't yeah. terrible, but I, I thought it was fun. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, and just the cast. I I liked um, who was picked for the, I the did newer version. Too. But well, say la vie. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, so that's all that matters, mm-hmm. I guess, for me at least. <laughs> um, well, I'll get into the first one, the 1959 version. Um, so just a little background on that. Uh, how the House on Haunted Hill was uh, created in 1959, American campy supernatural horror film who was directed by William Castle. The legendary William Castle. Yep. <laughs> and the film was written by Rob White and stars Vincent Price and Carol Omart. Uh, Price plays an eccentric millionaire, uh, Frederick Lauren, uh, who, along with his wife, Annabelle, has invited five people to their uh, to the house for a haunted house party. And whoever stays in the house for one night will earn $10,000. And as the night progresses, the guests are trapped within the house with an assortment of terrors. Now, it's important to note that $10,000 in 1959 is roughly $83,000 in 2020 money, I think. Yeah. Something along those lines, or probably like 2017 or whenever they did the last. I would still take it. I know. I was going to ask you, would you stay in the house overnight I mean, for $83,000 I would probably just change? fall asleep, to be honest. <laughs> just give me some wine and I'll survive. I'll just go to sleep. <laughs> I'd be too scared. I'd just stay in the, the main room with everybody. I mean, that's why I said I need wine. Because remember, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about Queen Mary and how hard it was for me to go to sleep. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but I had wine. And then when I got back to the room, I went right to sleep. But then weren't you woken up during the night? I was, but then somehow I kind of just closed my eyes. The drunk to took back over? Yeah, it did. It really did. <laughs> Wine helps everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I want somebody who's an alcoholic to just drink a bunch of wine. No, but <laughs> but sometimes if life's a little rough, does wonders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, just a little background um, of the production of it before I get into the whole plot of the whole movie. Um, the exterior shots of the house were filmed at the historic Ennis House in Los Feliz, California. Mm-hmm. And it was designed in 1924 by Frank Lloyd Wright. And it is spectacular. It is. If you... um, I, I would f- like to go in there. I would too. And I feel... If there's tours. I don't know if there is, but... You know, if there was only one way to find out. <laughs> Well, I'll explain more production while you look that up. <laughs> um, the bulk of the film was shot on sound stages depic- uh, depicting the interior of the house in a combination of styles, including an 1890s Victorian with glass chandeliers and sconces. Uh, the poster for the film included an illustration of of a house in yet a third style, that of a fanciful four-story Romanesque structure. Mm. So I found out that... Uh the Ennis House Foundation was selling it in 2009 for 15 million. Wow. Now, it's important to note what was <laughs> happening in 2009. Mm-hmm. The economy was in the shitter. 
Uh, So there were no buyers and they steadily reduced the price. And then they ended up selling it to a business executive in 2011 for four and a half million. That's a freaking bargain. That's a a drop. Yeah. From 15. Less than a third. Yeah. Like from 15 and it sold out. You said four? Four and a half. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Sweet deal, man. Um, And then a condition of the sale of the house is an easement that allows public viewing for 12 days a year. Well, we'll have to find out which one of those 12 days we're going. Well, (laughs) when when things open. But wait, Ron, there's more. Um, And no, it's not a rotisserie. It's another house sale. So in December 2018, it was listed for sale for $23 million. And in 2019, it was sold for 18 million so now it's privately owned wow yeah i wonder what they did to it to make it jump back up like that i don't know but just do what jared and i did when we went to hawaii and we just went off-roading where we weren't supposed to go despite the many signs that said trespassers (laughs) will be prosecuted and shot and just pretend to be lost that's what we did and it prevented us from getting murdered i could do that yeah Well, hopefully one day we get to go there because it's just, and just from watching it, you know, from the film, it, it just looks beautiful. It's beautiful. And I love, I love old homes like that, especially if it's created by a Frank Lloyd Wright. The legendary Frank Lloyd Wright. Seriously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't mind living in any of his houses. Mm -mm. (laughs) Um, But the film is perhaps best known for a promotional gimmick used in the film's original theatrical release called Emergo. Oh, this was the when it was dark and there's just a whole bunch of screaming at the very beginning and then the whoa. Yeah. <laughs> in in some theaters that showed the film, um exhibitors rigged a an elaborate pulley system near the theater screen which allowed a plastic skeleton to be flown over the audience during a corresponding scene in the film i heard about this and i'm yeah. so sad that i wasn't alive in 1959 to see this well and um some um cinemas like when they replay it like kind of what they do with like rocky horror where they you know have a specific night where they you know play the old school movies mm-hmm. um well, there's a place called the Film Forum and then the Lowell's Jersey Theater. They actually host revival screenings of the film during which the Emergo, sorry, Emergo <laughs> gimmick, um, they they recreate it oh, for the audience. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that they do that again soon. Hopefully this will spark up. And then we can go see it. You know, some other people to do it. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> but... Um, Thanks in part to Castle's uh, gimmickry, the film was a huge success. Um, Alfred Hitchcock took notice of the low-budget film's performance at uh, at the box office and made his own low-budget horror film, which became the critically acclaimed hit Psycho. I heard about this, too. Yeah. And Castle uh, was himself a Hitchcock fan, too. Hmm. And would try to, you know, imitate his work in later films, such as uh, homicidal which came out in 1961 mm. yeah and um some other cool news um elvira stated in a 1985 interview on larry king live that this was her favorite horror movie of all time oh so you know it must be good if uh the yes. mistress of the dark likes it yeah so i'll get into a little bit of the whole story which is very similar to the new one for those of you who've only seen the newer version. The stories are are very 
like quite similar. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, it starts off. We meet. Um, we meet Frederick Lauren, played by Vincent Price. Uh, he's an eccentric millionaire, and he invites five people to a party he is throwing for his fourth wife, Annabelle, who is played by um, Carol Olmart, in an allegedly haunted house he has rented. And he promises to give each of them $10,000 with the stipulation that they stay the entire night in the house after the doors are locked at midnight. So the guests are, uh, there's the test pilot, Lance Schroeder, played by Richard Long, a newspaper columnist, Ruth Bridges, played by Julie Mitchum, a psychiatrist, Dr. David Trent, played by Alan Marshall, who specializes in hysteria, so we need him. <laughs> and then there's uh, Nora Manning, who is played by Carolyn Craig, who works for um, one of Lauren's companies. And the house owners, um, the house's owner, Watson Pritchard, uh, played by Alicia Cook, Elijah Cook, excuse me, um, all were strangers to both the Lorenz and each other, with only commonality, a desperate need of money. I could see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I would do it. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Depends on how badly I needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Lorenz have a very tense you know, relationship, their marriage isn't the best. Uh, Frederick is convinced Annabelle tried to poison him in order to acquire all his money. <laughs> of course, she denies it, but that's, you know, definitely contributing to his suspicions and paranoia and jealousy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Watson believes the house is genuinely haunted by the ghost of those murdered there, including his own brother. Oh. he gives a tour of the house including a vat of acid in the basement which was used by a previous resident to kill his wife ew that's gross (laughs) when lance and nora remain behind to further explore the basement lance is locked in an empty room and struck on the head while nora is confronted by a menacing ghost annabelle uh, privately kind of warns Lance and, you know, that she thinks, you know, her uh, Frederick is, you know, kind of scheming something and thinking that, you know, she is going to, you know, she's going to get murdered because, you know, she suspects him murdering his second and third wives. <laughs> so she thinks, you know, you know, number four, getting ready to go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they all gather downstairs and the guests are told the rules of the party and each is given a a 45 caliber pistol, pistol, excuse me, for protection. Having f- uh, encountered further apparitions, Nora, Nora decides against staying the night, but caretakers lock the doors five minutes early. And so pretty much that option is out for everybody. I did love the little coffins that they were given the guns in. Oh, I know. They were so cute. <gasps> Forgot about to add that part in. They were really I adorable. feel like we all need that case. Right? That's <laughs> so useful for so many different things. I know. <laughs> um, after that, Lance is confronted by Nora, who tells him an unseen assailant strangled her and left, <clears throat> and left her for dead. Um, in the light of Annabelle's warnings, they both suspect Frederick. He tells her to remain out of sight so that her attacker will still think her to be dead. Uh, hearing a scream, Lance and David find Annabelle's corpse suspended to suggest she she hanged herself. 
or hanged, hung herself. Hanged. <laughs> I'll get my grammar correct one day. <laughs> hey, your grammar, my math, we're up here tonight. <laughs> um, so to survive the night, Lance and David propose that everyone stay in their rooms and shoot anyone who enters. Thus, the innocents will have no reasons to leave their room and the killer must stay put or admit his guilt. That didn't, that probably didn't work. Um, (laughs) uh, Nora is chased around her room into the basement by Annabelle's ghost. Aroused, aroused. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You could tell what Brie and I were talking about while we were eating dinner tonight before we started recording. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So, kind of, um, I won't say aroused, spooked. By the ghostly sounds, <laughs> uh, David concludes that the killer is about and proposes he and Frederick split up to search the house. Bad idea. <laughs> Lance uncovers a secret room at the end of the second floor hall, but once he enters, the door shuts behind him, trapping him. David instead meets with Annabelle, who had faked her death by hanging by a hanging harness and sedatives. So she's trying to, you know, she's got to I mean, everybody's up. tried to fake their death at one point, right? Yeah. You know, like Romeo. Mostly I just ate toothpaste <laughs> to avoid having to go to school, but <laughs> to each their own. Not a bad, not a bad plan. You're trying to get away from a, a bad, you know, husband, I guess. I don't know. That's not the way I would go about it. <laughs> but um, so we find out that they are secretly lovers. Ooh, the plot thickens. (laughs) So the two of them have orchestrated the various mishaps in order to manipulate Nora into killing Frederick. Aha. (laughs) Nora, seeing Frederick, enters the basement with a gun in his hand, does indeed shoot him. After she flees, David slips in to dispose of Frederick's body in the vat of acid. Yeah. <laughs> Annabelle uh, walks in the basement to confirm her husband is dead. A skeleton rises from the acid, and this is the part in the theater where you see the yeah. skeleton coming out. <laughs> Which I, I really hope they do that. That'd be really cool. So that I would go be see nice. that. <laughs> um, accuses and accuses her in Federig's voice and shoves her into the vat of acid. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> Frederick emerges from the shadows, holding the puppeteer control unit that he used to manipulate the skeleton and revealing he had known their plot all along. Ooh. I know your tricks. Yep. I mean, if you're together that long and you're plotting against each other this long, I mean, I figured you would know. <laughs> you would know each other's I know your tricks ways. now. <laughs> So after Nora, Watson, and Ruth release Lance from the secret room, Nora tells them that she shot Frederick. When they arrive in the cellar, Frederick explains that he loaded her gun with blanks, that his wife and David plotted to kill him, and that they both met their end in the vat of acid. He implies that he will claim self-defense, and although responsible for their deaths, he will not be convicted. I mean... Watson remains convinced the house is haunted and David and Annabelle now add it to its ranks of ghosts and that he will be the next victim. 
How very poetic. Yeah. I really liked this version. I did too. Um, it was just the right amount of camp. Although, so I, I first saw this when I was a really little kid because it was on uh, Turner Classic Movies and my dad used to watch TCM like it was going out of style. Which oh, is, I love it. It was, well, and it's where I got my love of old Hollywood films. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, every Halloween they play all of the classic horror films. And this was one, I, I remember seeing this when I was like eight or nine years old, probably too young to be seeing it, but you it's know, okay. here we are. I'm only mildly maladjusted. So as you would notice, <laughs> Um, but I remember when Leona Anderson, who plays the maid, uh, mm-hmm. when she comes, when, when you first see her and, um, oh, what's the actress's name? Nora, Nora, blah, 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 blah. When, when oh. she first sees the maid, uh, and, and the maid's just got her little claws up and she almost looks like she's hissing at her. That's Carolyn Craig. Carolyn Craig. Uh, <laughs> and she's just screaming like, ah, ah. <laughs> and 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 you see uh leona anderson who plays the maid and she's rolling she's on like a little cart and they're dragging her and she's going <laughs> through it's I'm, the like, best. oh it's hilarious it's just the best it's hilarious but at the time it scared the shit out of me but as because it was a super well, young i'm sure kid. everybody in that time it was like you know pretty spooky to them too we are far more and i think that, so you bring up a good point also, that I think people sometimes look at old horror films and say, you know, it's boring or, you know, the, the special effects aren't good. And like, you have to remember the time that these were made. Exactly. And we live in an age, we, we are 100% living in the digital age and information is so freely passed. And we've become so desensitized mm-hmm. to gore in films and war and... So now, looking back at these, that scene that was really terrifying for me as a kid, not seeing a lot of a, a lot of terribly gory films and such until I became a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, that was terrifying. And in '59, that was terrifying. And, yeah, and is just is a different time. Yeah, but like I said, it's it seems like I I don't know. I'm like you. I just have um a better appreciation for the older films. Like, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, these original films and the the remakes. And I think overall, you know, the the consensus is we like the older ones because we can appreciate, you know, what, you know, they they did with cinema magic. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, you know, everything's just so computerized and just so easy to, you know, throw it on the screen. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it makes it lo- the movie lose its luster a little bit. I agree. I agree. And there are times there are times when the CGI just completely overtakes the film and you get lost. Yeah. You just completely lose your audience when that happens. And I think of a film and I know Jared and I've talked about this a lot, but a film that was did a really great job with computer generated effects for its time was Jurassic Park. Mm. And agreed. That's one that was so brilliantly filmed. Um, the CGI was not over the top. No. Um, and that was... But it was, was mostly the dinosaurs. Yeah. And it was, what, the early 90s? Yeah. When did... What year did that come out? What, 90... Oof. 93, 94? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, another one where the CGI was, like, 
I think it was, I guess, around the time where it was just kind of coming out and getting a little bit more perfected. The first um, Mummy with mm. Brendan Fraser. Oh, I love... Okay. <laughs> Every time that's on TV... Oh, I watch it too. I watch it. I don't I care. I don't care what else I have going on. It's one of those movies <laughs> where... Every t- I love adventure films. Me too. So, good example. Anytime Romancing the Stone is on, I watch it. Uh, anytime any of the Indiana Jones movies are on, I don't count Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's not an Indiana Jones movie. I don't care if Old Man <laughs> Ford's in it. I don't count it as one of the films. I'm talking the original three. Anytime Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, or Last Crusade is on, I watch it. And same thing with The Mummy. Yep. But the first one, not the second one. The second one was weird. I liked the second one, too. I mean, the part where it got weird for me was the really bad animation of The Rock as the Scorpion King. Dude. Like, the beginning where, like, you know, he was fighting and all that stuff. Like, that was okay. But, like, at the end when he came out as the actual Scorpion King, he was, like, literally a Scorpion man. It was so bad. <laughs> All right. No shade. Every movie does not need to have the rock in it. There I said it. <laughs> there I said it. I'm I, he doesn't well, you need don't to be see in everything. another Jumanji movie. No, or, or Jungle the, Cruise. Or the Jungle or, Cruise. No, no. Or no, like no. every action or disaster movie that exists or the 40,000 Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, he wasn't in all of them. Well, there were enough of them. I mean, true. <laughs> I will agree with you, uh, even though I love Vin Diesel. You know this. I do. <laughs> I know you disagree. <laughs> He's fine. He just, I just love I, him. But I the agree. Same thing the they should have stopped it after my other man passed away. Yeah. And because I feel like it lost a little bit. And then they had the whole, you know, Luke and Hop, Calvin and Hop. No, no, Calvin, Calvin and Hobbs Hop. was the was, that was the cartoon no, strip I used to read. No, that is now forever its name. <laughs> I don't even remember. I just know Calvin and Hobbs because I used to read the cartoon strips before I would please, go to school. Somebody make a meme of that, please. <laughs> I'm sure there probably already is one. This is for if we have younger listeners. Calvin and Hobbes was the cartoon strip that would read in the newspaper (laughs) back when you had a newspaper that you physically had delivered to your doorstep and you read. Really? Uh, Kids don't have... There there was such a thing called a newspaper. (laughs) I did not know this. No, it's so cute with the little tiger. I forget what it was called. I almost almost said Calvin and Hobbes. I don't even know who that is. Calvin and Hobbes, it's a little boy and the tiger. You never read those cards? You're older than I me. D- no, I did, but like, I don't know. Like, so my mom was a single parent. So the way that she used to get us. Oh, it's called Hob- Hobbes and Shaw. Thank you, Jared, Thank you. for looking it up. I knew they had like, yeah, it was something. It's Whatever. Calvin and Hobbes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's staying. It's staying. No, my mom was a single parent. So the only way that she could get me to sit down and eat my cereal before school because she didn't have another spouse around to help corral the two kids was mm-hmm. she would put the comic strip in front of me so that I would I would read Zitz. I would read Calvin and Hobbes. I'd read Dilbert. It was Dilbert. All You're a little Dilbert? Marmaduke. <laughs> I know those. Yeah. But anyway. Yes. 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, back to the mummy. Yeah. The, I mean, not, the ev- not CGI every, yeah, the CGI was, was very good. Yeah. Of the original. Until they got into the second movie and then I was like, what happened? Then it was a little weird. What'd you guys do to the rock? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Well, and then we moved to the remake, which came Yay. out in 1999. I saw that in the theater. I don't rem- I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it very shortly after. Um and the remake has a very similar plot line. Um it came out in 1999 and was directed by William Malone. So here's what's important to know about William Malone. He also did um Tales from the Crypt Only Skin Deep. Oh. He also did fear.com. Oh. And he also which I actually really liked fear.com. I thought it was very creative. Um, and then he also directed an episode of Masters of Horror that was actually my favorite episode in season one, and it's called The Fair-Haired Child. Oh. Um, and it's really well done, and at some point I'm sure we'll talk about Masters of Horror both seasons, but... I, I hope we do. We should. We need to add it to the schedule. Um, so, a very, very well-known, very awesome horror director. Um, and then it starred Jeffrey Rush, who... I'm a huge Jeffrey Rush fan. Me He's too. just such a weirdo. Um, he can just play anything. I loved him in the movie Quills when he played the Marquis de Sade. Yep. And he's such a dick. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> he was so good. So great. I mean, I really enjoyed him in the Pirates movies. Mm. Another one. I, Barbosa. I love the just <laughs> campy adventure movies. They're yeah. just, they're super fun. Um, Fomke Janssen, who I, if, if I could, I'd marry Fomke Janssen. She's just, I just love her name. She's amazing. Um, Tay Diggs. Ugh. I know. Your man. <laughs> your man, Tay Diggs, who still looks amazing. I know. Um, he's another one doesn't age just like Angela Bassett. Mm-hmm. Um, Allie Larder, uh, Bridget Wilson, Peter Gallagher and Chris Kattan, who I I felt like he was just so weird in this film. I mean, I kind of feel like, and I know we always talk about token characters and them being black, but I kind of feel like his character was the token character, but not black. Yeah. (laughs) For me. I don't know. I just felt like it was like a later add in to have, I guess, some comedy i don't know why he was there i i guess but he's just this weird little neurotic guy that owns the house and lets everybody in and i i, I don't know <laughs> he 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 would i would have casted someone different in that role yeah um but i know he was you know saturday night live renaissance in the 90s and you know here we have chris Catan. <laughs> um so it's same concept, although there's a little more backstory to this version. So when yeah. the film starts out, it's very um, Penhurst Asylum-y. So you see this doctor who's with nurses performing experiments on patients without sedatives and so forth. And at some point, the inmates break out and they kill the doctor, kill the nurses and take over the asylum, burn it down. And I think only five people survive um so then we fast forward and we see vincent price's character uh who is a theme park owner and he's releasing this new roller coaster um the news is there every you know everybody's coming to see the debut of this new 
this new roller coaster and theme park, which fun fact, uh, that was actually the Hulk roller coaster. Yep. And the at from the Universal Orlando Resort in Florida. And I've been on that. I have not because I have never been to Florida and I'm also not sad about it. Well, I mean, that's the only reason why I wanted to go to Florida, honestly, when I was in college was for that in Disney World. But I didn't get to do Disney World because I was poor. I'm really <laughs> I w- would love to go to Disney World. I just don't want to one melt and two, I don't want to get eaten by an alligator and don't say it won't happen because it happened to that kid. It, yep it's here's my my rule just don't be near any water stay out of the water (laughs) (laughs) i'm like the worst mermaid ever i just i just don't go in the water (laughs) sometimes i'm scared to get in pools so it's fine (laughs) so we you know we fast forward to this amusement park mogul and same thing he's in a terrible marriage with his wife evelyn um and same concept for her birthday she wants to have a birthday party at this abandoned hospital um so we see this humongous guest list that she originally emails her husband who's uh actually his name in the film is Stephen Price which mm-hmm. was a little bit of an homage yes. to Vincent Price. It was. Yes. So we see this huge guest list it gets deleted it's like somebody comes up you don't see who but it gets deleted and it gets replaced with five names. So these five folks go to this burned down asylum. Well, it's not burned down, it's there, but this, you know, partially burned up and uh, completely macabre asylum where a whole bunch of really terrible things happen. Same concept. These guests are told that if they survive the night, they're not offered $10,000. They are offered $1 million. I'll because, take that too. Well, apparently in the 90s, we were just obsessed with a million dollars. Because everything from Austin Powers to House on Haunted Hill was one million dollars. You can't see me, but I'm putting my pinky to my mouth. Um, and then while everybody's talking, um, the security system is tripped and everybody gets locked inside. Um, and then a couple of the guests go down to try to find the, com- the control panel so that they can try to get everything back open. And, you know, a whole bunch of spooky things start to happen. But you also find out that these guests are not who they say that they are. So, mm-hmm. for example, guest that is supposed to be named jennifer is actually the assistant to the real jennifer who's named sarah wolf and so i fun fact when i was doing a little bit of background research you actually are supposed to meet the character of jennifer who i believe was supposed to be played by debbie mazer but her yeah am i correct okay and her scenes were all cut from the film but there was supposed to be that early scene with her where she's supposed to be going to this party and then turns it down and then her assistant picks up the invite and goes. Um, but then there's supposed to be some post-credit scenes with her as well that were also cut, yeah. very sadly. Yeah, I don't know why they cut those out. I felt like it... I mean, it wasn't that long of a movie. No. And I feel like they could have just put that in there real quick. I agree. And it it feels like it, it could have potentially added a little more to the film but yeah and how do you cut out debbie mazer i know that poor lady she's amazing i know i was very sad (laughs) um but then you know spooky things start to happen so sarah gets separated from the tay diggs character who's supposed to be a retired baseball player um and then she 
sees who she thinks is him rolling around the basement and then he attempts to drown her in a tank of blood when she realizes it's actually not him um he ends up coming to save her and and get her out and all of this goes on and price is supposed is thinking that all of these stunts were planned by the guy that he has planted to kind of have all these little different party activities happen or stunts as he calls them um and then that guy ends up getting his face eaten off yeah that was great yeah and then uh when price goes back in to find him he sees the ghost of the doctor who was doing the experiments in the 30s wandering around with a bloody saw because that's how you solve all the problems medically back then you know just get a saw a good lobotomy never hurt anybody right (laughs) um and then you see he goes looking for Evelyn because she was going upstairs to go to bed for the night. And then you see her being strapped to an electroshock therapy table and you see her die. Um, so then Price pulls a gun on all of his guests and you know, going, who killed my wife? What's going on? And then um, he goes completely crazy and they knock him out. The other guests knock him out and they put him in the quote unquote uh, saturation chamber, which is this weird device that essentially looks like a, one of the old school gigantic um, animation carousels. Yeah, that thing creeped me out. Yeah. Well, fun fact, if we watched um, the history of animation on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and Walt actually has one of those carousels. Oh. Because it was filmed in, I'm assuming, the late 50s or early 60s. And he's showing you how animation started and all the different devices and tools that were used to create animation. And that's what it reminded me of. It's this huge thing, this huge carousel that spins around with all the different little lights and the little holes in it. Yeah. Um, And then you obviously start to see uh, all of the different ghosts come. um, And then the main guy blackburn who volunteers to guard him turns the chamber on so it causes all of these crazy hallucinations which is so screwed up yeah um and then sarah and eddie end up finding a portrait of the hospital's head staff and then they realize that all of the party guests are direct descendants of the five survivors of that 1931 fire creepy yeah so then uh pritchett the guy that owns it starts to think that the spirits actually hacked the guest list on the computer to get everybody there. And the only exception is Blackburn, who's not listed on there. And it turns out, same as the original story, he turns out to be Evelyn's lover. And they faked her death, uh, hoping to frame her husband for the murders. Parallel plot, right? (laughs) Um, And then hoping that one of the guests will kill him in self-defense. But then she turns around and kills Blackburn uh, and then releases her delirious husband from that uh, hallucination chamber. Um, And then Sarah finds, comes back, finds Price. He's covered in blood with Blackburn's severed head nearby. And then she shoots him. Uh, So then Eddie and Pritchett arrive. They take her upstairs. um, And then Evelyn approaches him to gloat and finds out that he's actually protected by a bulletproof vest and he was only pretending to be dead and he attacks her. Of course. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, as they start to fight, she's thrown through a decaying floor, and then you see this evil kind of core of the house called, quote-unquote, the darkness. This big black smoke. Yeah, it's like this <laughs> big, weird, shape-shifting... With faces in it. <laughs> yeah, this, like, weird creature that's supposed to be all the creatures that are the or the spirits of the house. It consumes her and then adds her to its little mass. Um, Pritchett's then killed by it, and then Price ends up breaking free... Um, and then he comes back and tells Sarah and Eddie that the only way to escape is through the attic. Um, and then the darkness keeps kind of seeping through the house and follows them. He opens up a window, Price opens up a window, um, and sacrifices himself to allow Sarah and Eddie to escape. Um, but while she gets out, the darkness ends up closing a gate and trapping Eddie. Um, and as it, a kind of a, or goes to attack him you find out that eddie's really adopted so he's not a quote-unquote true descendant of the original staff um so pritchett's ghost comes and opens up the gate and then eddie's able to sneak out which so there were there were a lot of parallels to the original story but some other fun facts about this film so uh terry castle was a co-producer on the film who's william castle's daughter yeah and the special effects and makeup were done by one of our favorites greg nicotero he's so great amazing and dick smith um and this was actually the producing debut of dark castle entertainment and they've gone on to produce numerous other films. Yeah, they did some um, good. They've done some good stuff. They've done some really good films. But Dark Castle is also an homage to William Castle. Yay! And when this debuted, so you saw this in the theaters. I didn't. I did. You can validate this. I cannot. Um, Warner Brothers supplied scratch cards to some of the. Um, theaters that were debuting the film and they offered ticket buyers a chance to win a money prize very similar to the film's characters um did you get one because i didn't i mean i was young so probably not they don't let you gamble i mean i had to see it let's see 99 yeah i don't remember that but i did see it in the theater maybe it just because i saw it later maybe i wasn't at like the like first day or something oh that's it cool. Been. It could have been. Yeah. What a, what a neat idea. <laughs> um, and then actually in 2007, there was a direct-to-DVD sequel called Return to House on Haunted Hill. Uh, I did not watch it. I haven't watched it either. I probably should, but I have a feeling I'm probably not going to like it. Um, <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> probably, probably not going to care much for it. That's okay. Um, so this movie was actually shot in 98 and then early 99. And it was shot in L.A. And the exteriors of the house's driveway, because, spoiler alert, that humongous old asylum on a cliff does not exist in Los Angeles. Does not. Uh, No. So the driveway scenes were actually shot in Griffith Park near the Griffith Observatory. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah, you can shoot everything in Griffith Park. Yeah, pretty much. It's got everything, including (laughs) the haunted hayride. Yay! Which mm-hmm. probably won't be happening. You know, it, I if any haunt has a good chance of happening, I think it's probably going to be the haunted hayride. Really? Well, be, when you think about, it, okay, maybe not the hayride itself, but the other mazes because oh. it's all outdoors. Oh, okay. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's true. And you can just go in distance. with your group. Yeah. Of people. Okay. Yeah. yeah I can see that. Okay. I mean, that's just. 
That's just my <laughs> thought, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so one of the monster figures that's featured in the film during Price's underwater hallucination sequence was a creation of Dick Smith that was intended to be used in a different film called Ghost Story, which was which came out in 1981, um, but ultimately didn't use it. And instead, Maloney, the director, really, really liked it. And he, it kind of consisted of a human face and an enlarged mouth and um, all these other little creepy aspects to it. So he actually gave uh, Smith the permission to use it in this film. And then the little tentacular morphing mass of ghosts that was supposed to be the quote unquote darkness was inspired by some of the visuals from Lovecraft novels. Yeah. And they also kind of resembled Rorschach ink plot tests. I totally got that Mm -hmm. when when I, I mean, even seeing it the first time, but then watching it again, I was like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah. And looking at it when it starts to kind of open up, I'm going, Mm -hmm. that looks like the Mothman. Now it looks like a squirrel. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what (laughs) shapes are being formed. The fuck (laughs) is this thing? We're watching the movie and getting a psychiatric assessment at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, between the two, so this got a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't think is fair, especially because if I look at the damn Trolls movie, that shit got 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. How does Trolls get 76%? Okay, I know you liked it, but I'm just saying. (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) But I'm just saying, how does Trolls get 76 and the remake of House on Haunted Hill gets 30? Well, I mean... Here's my opinion. I think I love what they did with the the darkness. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of it. I really liked, but I think for me, maybe towards the end of the movie, it got a little hokey. Okay, I agree with you. So I feel like with that, and then maybe the not so good acting by Chris Kattan mm-hmm. mixed into that, and then the whole thing too, like. I get it, like, you know, they kind of wanted some big names in there or whatever just to bring people to the theaters. But the whole part where Tay Diggs is, like, screaming out, I'm adopted! <laughs> like, did we really need that? <laughs> I mean, okay. So, yeah, the ending wasn't good. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, like, I just feel like at that point he was already in the house and they discovered their descendants. I didn't, I don't think we need, we needed that. No. So I feel like the beginning, like where they had the background of the psychiatric ward and, you know, the crazy doctor and the nurses, like that was good. And then, you know, everything, you know, coming into the house, all the people and everything that I think that part was good. But I think like towards the end, like, I think that's, it just kind of started to lose people. I mean, that's just kind of what I'm gathering like if that's why they, it got the 30 percent. and another but, fun fact uh marilyn manson was actually considered for the role of dr vanicut that would have been cool crazy actually doctor. well because wasn't he in jawbreaker I he was remember. in he was it's in jawbreaker so with um that. rose mcgowan and who else was in that damn movie uh Re- rebecca gayhart yes and judy greer Mm -hmm. very young judy greer yeah you know what we should talk about that movie yeah because that like we should like do that and like heathers (laughs) oh i love heathers like all the little like 
other sort of creepy Before movies. Christian Slater was Dan Broderick III <laughs> on Dirty John, the Betty Broderick story. Yeah, that one's actually not too bad either. Mm-mm. I like it. Oh, yeah. Um, I-, I agree with you. The ending of this film was kind of a letdown. And yeah. I'm all for it. And it's why I started loving American Horror Story Asylum. I love anything that's reminiscent of Penhurst Asylum. And mm-hmm. for anybody that didn't know, Penhurst was shut down for um, complete miscare of its inmates from a, on a variety of standpoints. So one, yeah. it was filthy. Two, they were often left out in walkways because they were so grossly understaffed that they just kind of let people run around. It's the, where the adage inmates are running the asylum it totally originates from. Um, and then also there were not quote unquote experiments, but there were treatments performed on patients that shouldn't have been big thing yeah. being lobotomy and electroshock therapy. I, I wanted more of that in that season when they got to like the alien stuff. I was out. I was out. It lost me so no, hard. <laughs> it just, but I, I, I struggle with that with every season of American Horror Story. It starts out so strong. Yeah. And then it just. And then he throws in something where you're just like, huh? I'm like, Ryan Murphy, you had such a solid idea and such a solid he, path you were going on. Well, I just don't know why he does that every time. Yeah. It's, it's good. Where you're old. just like, okay, wait, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's rewind. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. And then it like totally disappeared for a while. And then it came back like towards the end of the season. I'm like, oh, can we just get to the real thing? Mm-hmm. Like what the main focus was, and that's bloody face. <laughs> like, can we just get back to that? Yes. <laughs> and and that's why I I really felt like this movie started strong because that's such a sinister and macabre concept to yeah. start with. And I'm thinking, okay, they've modernized the story for the next generation of horror lovers. It's it's same premise but different you know little nuances here and there um and it was the scene when tay diggs and ali larder in the basement she does almost get drowned in the thing of blood really Mm -hmm. fucking creepy yeah um and then when vincent price gets locked in that chamber super super creepy Mm -hmm. um but then when the darkness kind of comes out and starts swallowing everything like (sighs) i would have rather the doctor like he was in the darkness you could see that you could see the nurses but like when he when they would look on the um the security cameras and seeing like twitching and Mm -hmm. and walking around that was creepy oh yeah like i would have liked to see more of that more of him you know as the ghosts walking around the house with the uh, i'm sorry the house (laughs) the hospital with the nurses you know like I don't know, was it wasn't, and there was also a scene where, like, I think someone opened the door and they saw him, the doctor and the nurses working on somebody, mm-hmm. and then they, like, disappeared. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was um, when, when What's-Her-Name goes through everywhere with the camera, and she opens up the door, That's and right. she sees him at the camera. Yeah. And then they're, and then she puts the camera down, they're not right. there, and then she puts it back up, and they're there, and then they look at her. Yeah, that was creepy. And then they drag her into I, the scene. I would have liked to see more of that, and then somehow see his ghosts go into the darkness because i feel like there was no real like lead up to that did you watch the um the rose red miniseries that came out a 
in oh god it Oof. had to be the late 90s or the early 2000s oh it's been a while so the ending to that miniseries when the main doctor is stuck in the house and everybody finally figures out how to get out they use kimberly j brown to finally open up the house yeah and they all escape except for the main doctor she's left there but all of the ghosts of the psychics that were murdered in the house that she brought um and then the ghosts that already haunted the house all like kind of descend on her and they very creepily slowly attack her and then she oh. you know dies and then she becomes a ghost in the house yeah that would have been the perfect yeah. ending to this well film. that's what i'm saying like it like i'm saying it would have been like cool like exactly like that like, like have that creepy doctor and the nurses somehow just kind of like merge into that darkness creature thing agreed and then it would have worked really we- well with the you know how it looks like the the ink blot uh tests mm-hmm. and you know all of that that you know they use in psychiatry like i i liked that concept but i don't know i just felt like it needed it just just appeared yeah <laughs> but i mean i liked the movie overall for me it was you know it was fun i knew that i wasn't gonna get a cinematic masterpiece and that's right. not why i watched it not I, academy award winning exactly i'm <laughs> I'm not watching this because i am going to be so moved or it's gonna change my life or or you know it, nothing profound i watched it because i knew it was gonna be a fun campy scary movie and it wasn't as scary as I would have liked it to be, especially toward the end. It just kind of got corny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely don't feel like it deserved the 30% that it got. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I'll give it like a 50%. Yeah, 50 is fair. Yeah. I think 33 is a little harsh. Yeah. Because, I mean, it wasn't really like campy until the, the end, I feel like, for me. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great. I thought that it started super strong. And I like how it just, you know, uh, you know, paid homage to, you know, Vincent Price and, you know, William Castle, like, you know, their original story. Because, I mean, it was, you know, just like how we, you know, talked about, oh, I'm trying to think. What, what, oh, like 13 Ghosts. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they just took that concept and just tried to put, like, something new mm-hmm. into it just to make it a little bit more modern but not take away you know what from what was originally made yeah like with invisible man same thing mm-hmm. you know just take that concept but then just you know make it grow mm-hmm. exactly make, if you can blossom if you're gonna remake <laughs> something you should ask yourself two as a filmmaker you ask yourself two very inco- important questions one should we do this mm-hmm. and two if the answer to question one is yes how are we going to make it different and better? And three, like, should we really do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> question three, please say question one. Like, when they remain the grudge oh, again. Fuck. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, how many times can you remake that? I just don't understand Hollywood sometimes. Like, like, why can't we just come up with new as ideas? As long as dumbasses like me keep paying to go and see it, they'll keep remaking it. How many, again, I go back to Fast and the Furious. How many Fast and the Furious movies are there? And I've seen them all. <laughs> Case in point, as long as people will pay to go and see something, Hollywood will continue to make it. <laughs> but there's a thing about that. It would always come out on my birthday 
So it was like, you know, Vin Diesel was my gift. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know it yet. We'll find him. Where does he live? I'm, you know, I'm waiting for him. (laughs) Where does he live? Los Angeles is not that big. No, I don't think he lives in LA. Oh, well, the world is not that big. Yeah. Google search. Channing Tatum lives in Ohio. So he does. And Ohio cool. is a hop, skip, and a jump from where we live. Show is. Where does Vin Diesel live? <laughs> You're actually looking at He lives in Hollywood now. Hills, babe. I feel like that's not true, though. I feel like you he can, lives in Florida. I beg to differ. You can always believe everything you read on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's sarcasm for those that don't know yeah me. i was like you're you're uh being extremely facetious also he's 52 i didn't know that oh i knew that oh of course you did <laughs> anyway on a so on a scale of one to five screams what would you give the original five being the top mm-hmm. uh, for me i i feel like it's a five give it like a four and a half but you know i'm also really nice so you're you're clearly we won't we won't get into that (laughs) that's that's another episode of the podcast we don't have enough time (laughs) i i liked it but i I also am a huge fan of old movies so i feel like a little part of me is kind of biased Mm -hmm. because i appreciate you know cinema back then Mm -hmm. um and what they did you know they worked with what they had Yes. Which was not really much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, I I give it a five. I give a I give it a four, four and a half. I really okay. enjoyed it. What do you how many screams would you give the remake? I'd give it like a three or a three and a half. Yeah, I say three point five. Three and three and a half, yeah. See, it's well, it's I, worth was a, a I was a little mean there. You a little. It's a little. <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, no, that wasn't mean enough. <laughs> nope you can do better i need you i I need bad girl brie brie to come out and show me what she's got savage brie is my favorite brie (laughs) you you like it i love savage brie she's my favorite (laughs) okay so okay i'll bet for the next movies we do i'll i'll be more savage brie well looking at the schedule uh i'm gonna be mega savage on one of them so which is pet cemetery oh that's right mm-hmm. oh you know what i may be a little savage with you on that too bad girl brie brie and savage sarah here we're, to we're tear talk up some about, pet cemetery we're gonna talk about like all the versions or or just like it's our podcast we can do whatever the fuck that's we true, want because there's so many <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I hope we're going to talk about the the current oh, one. Where do you think Savage Sarah is coming from? Okay, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Because I I have a lot of thoughts and concerns mm-hmm. about that one. Sometimes dead is better. So I hope you all tune into that so you can hear Savage Brie come out. <laughs> Bad girl Brie Brie. <laughs> all right, friends. That concludes our episode for today. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Squad Ghouls. You can email us if there's a topic that you would like us to cover. Uh, our email is thesquadghouls at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And also please rate and review us wherever yes, you listen to podcasts. Give us some stars. Yeah, we need some. We, we were part of the millennial generation that needs you know lots we need, of we need likes and thumbs ups we and need stars a, we need a trophy for participation <laughs> so please give us some 
Uh, Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.